0: You know, if there's a button that says "Don't push the button," you know what I'm going to do. You got to push. It. Yeah, it's a problem I've had since my childhood. It's called the fundamental spirit of rebellion, and uh, I blame my parents for that. Come on in. Come on in. Uh, you know that song. Uh, all I'm going to do today is I would like to go over that song again, and uh, just. This Lenten study, I hope you've had a chance to um, obtain one of these little study guides. There's a couple probably on in the, in the table just outside in the hall. Um, we have all of our psalms for Lent here. I think it's, it's nice once in a while to stop and read some of the poetry. These things are over 3,000 years old, some of them, and they are the heart of the prayer tradition of the Western world. You can learn a lot about prayer and you learn a lot about God The character of David comes through, and I found that um, if I read the thing once, imagining that I'm hearing the song (coughs) of a 16-year-old shepherd, it reads one way, if I read it another way and think, no, I'm reading a 60-year-old king who's burdened down with the issues of his state, it reads another way. But each way, we learn something about the core of worship, to God. And I would like to give you a running commentary because I love doing this. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go through the psalm again. And uh, we don't need to have it projected. If it's possible, meh, mm-hmm. you know, i am using a slightly different translation. But I want to go through it again and just pick out some highlights and just let this poem and let the Word of God do what the Word of God will do for you. I don't have a lesson. I have some observations. It opens with, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? It's self-consolation, because he is afraid. He speaks with the words of faith, but the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. Light has always meant understanding, wisdom of how I should live, and the world is often described in this literature as dark, meaning we don't know what to do, how to live, how best to solve the confrontations of life, and to seek light, to find light, to be the enlightened one. The psalmist says, the Lord and the Lord's ways shall be my light, my understanding, the way I shall walk through life. And salvation is the idea of rescue, and this is my future. I look with hope, the God in whose ways I seek to live, that this will be worthwhile, and I will find salvation and rescue at the end. So my journey is lit by the wisdom of God. And the direction I'm going is toward my hope in His rescue, in His salvation. So calm down, heart. Calm down, oh frightened soul. The Lord is my light. The Lord is my forward-gazing hope. And the Lord, incidentally, is always a translation of Yahweh, which always means in Hebrew, the Lord named Himself, I am that I am. God is not a name, incidentally, right? Hello, God. Nice to meet you. The name God gave us is the mystery of I am. I am from the beginning. I am now. I am in the future. I always shall be. I am the one who is eternal, is my light and my salvation. And then he repeats poetically The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. Again, why? Should I tremble? Fortress. Light, salvation, now a place, a stronghold of safety. I told Cindy that she's been my inspiration this week, but so was Caitlin last week, when you used the phrase placemaking and shifted everything from a noun where the church or a particular name of this church, the place an abstract noun, a thing, to an activity, something we do, placemaking. A fortress is a place, but it's a place that is safety-making. You go into the fortress because there you're protected, there you feel safe. Those who build safe places, places of refuge, those who are unsafe have to run, we just spoke of refuge people coming to this little island at this little time where they will find, hopefully, a place that is also refuge-making. And I was inspired because it is an activity, and the great thing we're called to in this faith is we're called to love. And love is an action, it's an activity. And the, the love that I see through this whole song is the love of God seeking to take away the fear of the fearful one. And the greatest fear, the greatest fear we're going to see in a minute in this psalm is that God might reject the writer. I need a refuge. And the refuge is that as imperfect as you are, as sinful as you are, you are fundamentally loved. You are accepted just the way you are, by your creator. Who created you and is working and continuing to work to bring you to where you shall be. Who is not finished with us yet and so when we look around we only see our own unfinishedness. And no matter how hard it might get in this life, we're being told with God you're fundamentally safe in his accepting love for you. You hear the words in Luke 12 when Jesus speaks to his congregation. His little band of followers. He also sees that they're afraid. And he says, fear not, my little flock. Sounding like the shepherd David. Because your Father in Heaven wants to give you His kingdom. The contempt that I have for religion, all religions is that they hold some standard and say, jump for it, earn it, get it, go through the hoop, try to please God. Whatever it is, it is a failure to understand this one thing, that the God who is there actually wants us to have Him eternally, to have the love that He offers, and He is getting busy, He is working to bring us into that salvation. And those words are to take away the fear. I can only mean one fear. It is the fundamental fear of God. It is the fear of being rejected by God. It is the fear that we're not good enough. It's the fear that our sins are somehow going to be held against us. That's the thing that's most terrifying. All through this song, the writer is saying it is the love of God and his faithfulness that should protect us from this fear. Then he turns to another source of fear. When evil people come to devour me, little animal reference, the guy was a shepherd, he saw this happen. When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they shall stumble and fall. Though a mighty army should surround me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain constant in my translation. Last, uh, no, two weeks ago, we watched the Coen Brothers film, A Serious Man. This is my fourth viewing of the movie, Make a Note of It, A Serious Man, by this. has been described in allegory on the book of Job. It's one very long bad day in the life of someone. And it seems that the lesson that comes from that film is that no matter how bad life gets in terms of bad circumstances and wicked people working to undermine you, your obligation is to remain a good person caving in is when you join the dark side right caving in is when you yourself become a hater and a destroyer and you shall not forgive the greatest way to resist evil is to remain faithful to the goodness god calls us to despite what the enemy does to us it's the hardest thing Because the desire for revenge comes so naturally. But the desire to respond in anger comes so naturally. How hard it is to forgive our enemies. Even if I'm attacked by an army, I will remain confident in God, my refuge. Remain good. And I will express this faithfulness. I will express this constancy by pursuing truth and beauty and purity of spirit. And I get that from verses 4 through 6. Listen to this. He then is singing this song to God, the one thing I ask, Lord. This is a big underlining. The one thing I ask, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. I once heard a horrible sermon that that meant the greatest thing you could ever want is to hang out in a church. Imagine that there is no temple built. There is no temple in Jerusalem. Imagine this man is sitting on the hillside overlooking his flock, seeing the stars at night, feeling the wind, smelling the grass. The universe, the world, the beauty of creation around him is the house of the Lord, is the temple of the Lord. He sees around himself all the majesty and the beauty of nature. and The Psalms are full of the extolling of the beauty of God's creation. I want to live, I want to delight in, I want to meditate in you. I want you to conceal me when there are times of trouble, and I want you to hide me in this sanctuary of yours. It's still a call for protection. You will place me on a high rock. He's outside. He's on a hilltop. You'll place me on a high rock, and then I will hold my head high above all the enemies who surround me. At your sanctuary, O God, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy singing and praising the Lord with music. This is art and beauty and poetry and the spontaneous shouts of joy. This is the pure spirit of creativity and art. The center of our Bible is a book of poetry, for goodness sakes, of songs. And they are to be grounded in the joy, the joy that comes from God's protection and from the beauty and majesty of His goodness. His creation. When it says, I want to spend my life delighting in the Lord's perfections, the perfection of the Lord that repeats itself through the whole Old Testament and is again reiterated, especially in John's Gospel, are two related terms in Hebrew, Chesed and Emmet. We even name our children Emmet, sometimes Chesed. Go play with your brother, Chesed. It means grace and truth. Grace and truth. And Chesed is most often translated in the Old Testament as loving kindness. And I like that so much. There's so many ways we could talk about expressing love, right? But kindness. Kindness. I think welcoming Syrian families It's a supreme act of kindness, loving kindness, and truth. I want to spend all the days of my life being alive, delighting in your loving kindness, meditating upon your truth, so that I am filled with shouts of joy and songs and music. That's his heart. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. We're moving to a little bit of poetic drama here. Hear me as I pray, O oh Lord. Be merciful and answer me. Where does this conversation happen? My heart hears you say, Come, talk with me. And in my heart I respond, Lord, I'm coming. In John's Gospel, one of the first words we hear Jesus say is, come and follow me. And people get up and follow the Lord. There is no content in this. It doesn't tell us what the conversation is. It says, the relationship is that in my heart I hear you wanting me to come and talk to you. And in my heart I want to come. The heart longs to be with you. David's Psalms sometimes I like the sentiment of lovers and you will hear it next week next week's psalm sounds like a love song there are so many different ways to express the longing of love you call me I come to you here comes the drama but don't turn your back on me don't reject your servant in anger you've always been my helper don't leave me now don't abandon me O oh God of my salvation don't turn your back on me Why? Don't reject your servant in anger. In anger. Would you turn your back on me in anger? What could it be that might lead to anger? There's only ever been one issue in the scripture tradition. That is sin. That is our wickedness. That is our own evil. To say, Lord... Do not respond to my evil with anger so that you would leave me and not be my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me because you are the God of my salvation. The resolve, the tension comes this way. This is a a commentary. Wait, wait. This is God we're talking about. Even if your father and your mother should abandon you, the Lord will not abandon you. That's a beautiful little poetic commentary. Look, friends might betray you. Even a brother might betray you. And you may even have a lover betray you. But come on, mom? Mom and kids, come on. It doesn't get more holy than that. It's even possible. It is even possible that the great love of the mother or the father, that may be there, a human for their own in their own burden, in their own hardship, may abandon you, even though that rare thing might happen, you know that God is never, ever, ever going to abandon you. What If I'm sinful and you're angry, no, I will not abandon you any more than a mother or father would. So there's this great whew, moment. God has assured my heart in which this conversation is happening. But even if mom and dad abandons me, which I understand to be highly unlikely, But they don't really know what I'm really about, so I can't trust myself to them. The Lord will hold me close, faith assures his heart again. Teach me then, teach me how to live, O Lord, lead me along the right paths. So here he's returning again to the first verse. Show me the light that would light the path. Teach me the paths, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands. They accuse me of things I've never done. And every breath they threaten me with violence. The fear is of other human beings. This is the big fear here. I was worried again that you might abandon me, that I keep remembering you will never abandon me. You're the lover of my soul. I'm assured because you call me to come to you and talk and I do. I want to. I want to be in your relationship and I delight in the beauty and I want nothing more than to be in the temple with you and I know that you will be there for me. But it's those humans. That's my big fear. Not death, not suffering, but social fear. Fear of hatred. Fear of being surrounded by people who would betray me with words. They lie in their lips. They would accuse me. They would betray me. I fear humans and their words more than wild animals and natural disaster. Wild animals don't mean bad. They just got to eat sometimes. The wind blows, it's part of God's plan for a healthy world. It doesn't mean anything when it blows your house down. These are natural disasters, we call them. But human beings are capable of forming plans of hatred, of intending evil. Therefore, human beings are capable of generating moral wickedness. Human beings can destroy friendship. Tornadoes and wild beasts build friendship when we help one another. Natural disasters build character as we bond together and try to overcome. It's in this world of humans that I'm most afraid. Because trust can be betrayed, love can turn out to be a lie, and I'm not safe again. Protect us, O Lord, from these kinds of people, says the psalmist. Ah! But maybe you're that kind of person to others, right? Protect us from being the kinds of people who stab others in the back. Protect us from being an enemy to others who need friendship and need safety and need protection, and we don't provide it. Protect us from our own snobbery and our own lies and our own gossip in such a way that others are praying to the same God against us for protection from us. we allow false accusations to come from our own mouths. Therefore, Lord, when we say, protect us from humans, you must also protect us from ourselves. Help us to become the peacemakers. Help us to become the good doers, not just another set of enemies for other people. This is captured in Jesus' words that, We must practice the spiritual discipline of forgiving others as we have been forgiven. May we run and be the first to restore fellowship and bring justice, including to those who have been wicked toward us. And then he turns again to that word confident. Lord, I am confident. I'm confident that I will see the Lord's goodness, and not just pie in the sky, but here and now in the land of the living, I'm confident I will see your blessing again. But of course, I need patience. And then he's, his song is for all of us. May we all wait patiently for the Lord. May we all be brave and courageous in remaining faithful to the call of doing good and being righteous. Let us develop patience, patience with the Lord. So that's my meditation on Psalm 27. <sighs> any uh, any reflections? We've got a couple of minutes. We can chat a bit. I read that song at my uncle Frank's uh, prayer vigil today. He passed away two weeks ago. He was an old man. He was 88 or so and I was in a situation of mixed faith. There were some people of faith, many people of no faith uh, in a room um, at McCall's. And uh, here I was reading prayers from 3,000 years ago that, well, they have content, but mostly they have a posture. They, They put us into a posture of speaking to God and speaking about God. My entire ministry is based on hope and hope based in grace because at a funeral that is when our faith has to deliver and it has to deliver hope not because there's a dead body in a coffin behind me there's no hope there there's hope in God there's hope in God who created a room full of people that were there crying over a loved one faith in God who's created and sustains each of us right here right now and hope that our intuition is correct that there's just Gotta be so much more going on in this universe than meets the eye. And it's the heart that senses that. And the heart senses that in love, in friendship, in joy, and in the special love and joy that comes through forgiveness, through restored friendships, through saying I'm sorry, and through old friends meeting again. So, let's pray. Lord God, somewhere along the line, the writer got the reputation of being someone who was just on your wavelength, on the wavelength of your heart, who understood this anthropomorphic analogy, the heart of God. who was able to say, I hear you calling me, saying, come, come into a friendship, a relationship with me. You know my heart wants that more than anything else, but it's full of fear. It's fear of being hurt. Can I genuinely trust you and fear of other people? Through your son Jesus, we see a manifestation of nonviolent harmlessness, humility, meekness saying, come to me, every one of you who is burdened down and weary and heavy laden with life. And my love and my grace will give you rest. Lord God, when we let go and drop everything and rest in your sanctuary, it is your loving kindness that we trust in. We sang, may your Holy Spirit be more present to us. Pray, may your Holy Spirit fill us with loving kindness and realize it is never, never inappropriate to show loving kindness. It's always the right thing. Transform us as your sheep. Transform us as your community, as your people. As we seek to stumble along following you. May we never stop hearing your voice calling us to come. May you always patiently Grant us the courage to follow, and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.